0: Wild week of basketball with March Madness. We've seen even a wilder time. I mean, it is March Madness, but you wouldn't think that an NFL free agency. But it's looking like the AFC is getting stronger. The NFC can't figure it out. But that's not where we're going to start. We're going to start talking about this March Madness basketball tournament. Cinderella is still alive nonetheless as well. So that's where we're going to get things going. Hello, everyone. I'm Ethan Schmidt. Joining me per usual, my good friend, George Holloway, to talk a little basketball, talk a little football. George, uh, first thoughts on that first weekend of March Madness.
1: It, it's lived up to its name, Madness. It's, it's been an incredible tournament so far. We still have that Cinderella team in St. Peter's that you were talking about and a few other higher seats still alive as well. So let's see if there can actually be a storybook ending to a Cinderella this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we talk a little bit the craziness of it. We still have two 11 seeds left. We have a 10 seed left. Um, so, I mean, there's several Cinderella stories really going on. Um, but obviously, St. Peter's getting the most attention on it, being that 15 seed. Going through the round of 64, and uh, we start off the first big upset that we saw that I think kind of smacked a lot of people's brackets. Uh, was just that Richmond game over Iowa. I, I think there was a lot of people um, who really thought watching how Iowa played, uh, watching how they won the Big Ten championship, that, you know, a team like Richmond was going to put up a fight, but it would be Iowa that would come out on top. And and we learned completely different uh, as Iowa was stunned on the first day. I mean, this was a team that I had playing in the Sweet 16. I thought they could get this win. They could beat Providence and uh, would end up getting Kansas. But, I mean, here we are talking about that first round of 64 and having Richmond still alive running into that round of 32. How did your bracket fare with that one? I think that might have been one of the first ones I got wrong.
1: It it was one of the first ones that I got wrong as well. And like like how you said, I kind of rode the hot hand with Iowa just cuz after you saw that Big 10 championship game it was hard to bet against them especially with like their three point shooting and Keegan Murray taking over games late etc but Richmond i mean they stole a bid to get in the tournament and they they broke some brackets in the process in that first round taking down Iowa so
0: now i am crazy first round matchup i believe New Mexico State versus Yukon um, i think that was the backbreaker the the one that really got everybody obviously was on the first night, we're sitting there. It's Thursday night. You don't think anything is, you know, big's going to happen after the Richmond-Iowa game. You think everything's wrapped up. Um, but Cinderella made it to the ball, had the dancing shoes on. St. Peter's upset Kentucky, the, the 15 seed knocking off a two seed, which has now happened back-to-back years because Oral Roberts mm-hmm. did it last year. Um, and then made it to the Sweet 16. And we know the Florida Gulf Coast team did back in 2013 as well. Dunk City was alive and well with that uh, FGCU. Uh, St. Peter's, though, the only way to put it is this is a, a tough, gritty group. Um, if you ask Shaheen Holloway about it, he would tell you it's because he's got a bunch of guys from New York and New Jersey on his team. It makes sense. Uh, they're not afraid of, of, of who they're taking on. And on night number one, they knock off one of the – I mean, one of the biggest names in college basketball lore, if you will, and knock off Kentucky. Uh, That was the absolute, if you took a little bit of a a tumble, if you will, with the Iowa-Richmond game, you were probably sitting there like, okay, whatever. Like, it's just Iowa. Like, I don't don't know how many people had them going much further, maybe past Kansas. Probably a lot of teams didn't think they were going to be Providence. Um, But the St. Peter's game over Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky was a lot of teams, I mean, people thought they were either going to win it, Final Four team at least, at least an Elite Eight. Um, Definitely a Sweet 16 team out in the first night.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, Kentucky was a heavy favorite. Well, one of the heavy favorites to win the title this year, and they were getting healthy. Like, Tashibwe, Washington was back. Wheeler was playing good. That that whole entire team was at full strength, basically, coming into this tournament. And so everyone was looking at Kentucky as a top-tier favorite. And then the fighting peacocks of St. Peter's just came in. And with their 1970s wood that's still in their gymnasium at their university of only 3,000 3, students, knocks off one of the top dogs in the SEC and one of the top dogs in the entire tournament. And so it was a complete and utter bracket buster <laughs> the, the very first night of the weekend. And it's it's a crazy story for St. Peter's just to see a school that small take down a powerhouse like Kentucky and continue to make their run and see players like eater Big Doug just come out of nowhere who he hadn't even played much this season. He averages like 10 points and now he's averaging like 20 for the tournament and he's hitting five threes a game. Like it's just it's cool stuff like that that happens in March. That's just it's insane. You never know what's going to happen.
0: Well, that hardwood floor you're talking about from the 70s is in an arena called Run Baby Run Arena. Uh, if that's not one of the best that and the KFC yum center, I think probably my <laughs> two of my favorite names in all of, uh, basketball arenas, I haven't heard every single one. I'd like to hear everybody else's at this point. So if you have a fun arena, uh, drop it in the comments here, let me know. Cause I want to be able to talk about those over the next, uh, few weeks. If you know of a, a crazy arena name that, um, is appropriate, uh, which I don't think there would be one that's not, but again, uh, the peacocks out of run baby run arena up there in new jersey the crowd the fan base is going crazy for them they knock off kentucky crazy enough we were talking about this you and i talked about this i was actually in lexington um, for the wbi this past weekend covering it um and i pulled into the uh, i guess the city of lexington and got to my hotel as kentucky was losing and a lot of the people, I guess, that were still going out because it was on St. Patty's Day, mind you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the people that were still going out to the bars had not figured out yet until they walked into the bars that Kentucky had lost. And so as I was going out to get dinner that night and I was walking because Lexington's not a bad town. I mean, I, I know you, you know, Tennessee fans may just hate, you know, any SEC mm-hmm. school. It's not Knoxville, which is fine. I yeah. whatever. I mean, you got to you got to love your town, whatever it is. But Lexington's an extremely, to- extremely nice town. Uh, everything's pretty much in walking distance of where you need to go. So right there from the hotel. I mean, food was right around the corner. Could Go over there. Uh, but the biggest part about it was just like I actually heard a collective groan like from one of the bars when they found out that. Kentucky lost and I'd never I'd never heard it but like for the students that were still there that weren't on spring break that were out celebrating on St. Patty's Day and walked into the bar at the last moment when Kentucky was losing I mean just the the fan base you could just feel it and you could hear it in the area and it was just like wow like I've never been you know I've never been in a sports town in such a, a game that you would you know shouldn't lose and to have that and to hear that was pretty uh, pretty, like, I won't forget that. I I think that'll be something I remember Mm -hmm. probably for the rest of my life. (laughs) The backbreaker though, I think that kind of finished all of us off. Um, I I know if, if you somehow just hated Kentucky and picked St. Peter's, uh, the thing that probably finished you off, I guess maybe, or if, you know, you still had a glimmer of hope, I think was, uh, the, uh, UConn loss, I don't know how many people picked UConn, but that was kind of like the last major upset there of round one, another 12 knocking off a five. And I believe that's made almost, I think it's, I think they said it was like seven or eight consecutive tournaments now where 12 is knocked off a five. So five (laughs) seeds are not safe anymore. Um, And we saw that with two, two different five seeds. I mean, Iowa won their, won their championship. I mean, it's just crazy to see that that happened. So the round of 64 did not disappoint St. Peter's Cinderella, uh, kept the story alive. And then the round of 32, just some great games, some absolute, just beautiful games of basketball that we got to watch. Uh, North Carolina over Baylor, I think, is going to stick in my head just because of the fact of how Baylor had to come back in that game to even make it to overtime was just fantastic. And then the extra gear that North Carolina had in overtime to beat Baylor was just a crazy thing. So down goes, that's our first number one as well. That's that's our mm-hmm. first number one that was dropped was Baylor and that loss against North Carolina. But I think a lot of people had counted out North Carolina. I think a lot of people didn't think the Tar Heels mm-hmm. would be able to do this. I think when you and I talked about it, though, I said, I go back to that game against Duke. If they come mm-hmm. out and you're telling them that they're not going to do it. I mean, how many people really said, you guys are going to, you know, yeah, I believe in you. You'll go out there and beat Coach K in his last game and, you know, and, and Cameron and, and the Indoor and and think that that was actually going to happen. North Carolina probably came into that game and said, everybody thinks we're going to lose it anyway. How many people really think we're going to win this game? They come out and just get an absolute thriller against Baylor uh, to advance. I don't know how much of that game you might have been able to watch, but it oh, was yeah. it was a fantastic game.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the curse of the defending champion is real. It, it is very, very real. Baylor won it last year, and they yeah, and they failed to make it out of the round of 32. They, they failed to make it out of the first weekend. Like, Manik from uh, North Carolina, who got ejected, who ended up getting ejected in that game, he's one of their big men. He is the absolute truth. He played phenomenal. I think he had 26 points. R.J. Davis added 30 and after Manic got ejected, that's whenever the game really got interesting because Baylor ripped off that incredible comeback to get it to get it just squared off to take it to overtime. And I thought North Carolina was dead in the water at that point. I thought all the wind was out of sails. Like if you get comeback, if, if there, if you if you have a comeback that is made upon you of that magnitude, like at that much, that many points, it's it's got to be deflating. You would think, but North Carolina they found that second gear. Then, or they—I should say—they refound their identity that they had throughout the three quarters of the game, and and they, they managed to take care of business, and that was our first number one seed going down your right, and busted yet, in probably many more brackets, even more. So,
0: from there, we also had two eleven seeds that upset number three seeds, and I and I told you this early on. I thought that Notre Dame Rutgers game, uh, you know, both those teams should have they should have been playing for a play in game. However, some 11 seeds that have not disappointed Michigan, obviously upsetting Tennessee. Uh, that was a very good game. Michigan just played better. I mean, there's no other mm-hmm. way to really put it. Michigan just shot better. Um, mm-hmm. Tennessee now has they'll, you know, there's always going to be one name from an opposing team that they're going to remember. Uh, they'll have the same thing against Michigan this year, Iowa state playing as physical as they can against a Wisconsin team that doesn't like a lot of offense against them. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a defensive clamp team. And you have two 11 seeds advancing on into the, you know, the sweet 16. I mean, that's just a crazy thing to think of. So for me, I mean, you and I talked about this. I said, if Michigan didn't come out there and play their hearts out, uh, you know, did they actually deserve to be in the tournament over a team like Rutgers who played so fantastic in that playing game or Notre Dame who played fantastic that in that play in game, um, Obviously, Michigan's earned it, and you said this as well. And I got to give you credit on this for Iowa State's victory. um, You said you thought Iowa State had all the intangibles to be a Sweet Sixteen team from that eleven spot, and here they are knocking off. uh, They knocked off LSU, who's now uh, has the new head coach, uh, Coach McMahon from Murray State's going to head over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now, along with that, they were going through obviously coaching issues, and then they knock off a Wisconsin team that was, you know. I'm uh, not highly touted out of the big out of the big 10, but a team that was, you know, you definitely thought, oh, this is normally a perennial team that gets you to the sweet 16. But you said you thought you could see Iowa coast in there. And we thought at that time it was going to be Auburn. But uh, look at it now. And and we'll talk about that here in a second. But to go back to those 11 seeds, I mean, it's just kind of showing you how, you know, our biggest storyline storyline and Cinderella story is still. The fifteen seed in St. Peter's, which we'll talk about here in a minute as well, but these two eleven seeds—that's that's crazy to think that we have two eleven seeds who are out there stunning some teams.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and I'll start with that Michigan Tennessee game. Like that was that was a Tennessee game that I I didn't even get mad at. Like the scheme was good, the play calling was good. They had open looks. They just had a bad night. Tennessee could not hit the broadside of a barn that night. They shot eleven percent from three. And if you shut down Tennessee's three-point, which they didn't really even shut it down, Tennessee just missed. Yeah. And if, if Tennessee is missing or their three-point game was shut down, that's how you beat Tennessee. And Michigan, they had a great big man in Hunter Dickinson. I believe he had like 27 points. He was like 8 of 13 from the field or something like that He and with, with like 8 or 10 more points from the free-throw line. And he was also knocking down threes. Like, he he played incredibly well. Michigan, they they just executed better than Tennessee did that. And Tennessee hadn't had a bad shooting night in like two months. And then finally they had a bad shooting night in the tournament. So I was like, man, I was like, that's just Tennessee. Like you, you should have, I should have known something like that was going to happen. But moving on from them, going to the Iowa State game, I I thought they had a road. I thought they had a road to the Sweet 16 because they were playing LSU who were just kind of scrambling to get everything put back together after the firing of Will, Will Wade on Selection Sunday. Like the Iowa state, they were like, really, we're getting the team scrambling running like a chicken with their head cut off. Like, so Iowa state got a great, had a great start there playing LSU and then going against Wisconsin, who was banged up coming into the tournament. They limped into the tournament the last month of the season. And I mean, they got in as a three seed, but you could have argued they should have been lower like at this point with how poorly they had played over the past month. And Iowa State took advantage of that. They dominated the game defensively because as you said, it was a defen- it was a defensive battle. It was a very low-scoring game. It was like 54-49 final. And they they held Wisconsin under 50 points. That's how they got the job done. And I could see them going even further in this tournament. I'm not going to make anything bold, but but I think Iowa State, they still have a route. They they got a route to possibly to potentially an elite eight final four.
0: Yeah. Um we'll yeah, we'll talk about that here in a minute, because I mean We'll go into predictions in our next segment of Sweet 16 to look at those matchups for that. But you know, you, you talk about it, and and they're drawing our next upset, which was a 10 seed Miami over Auburn. I mean, that was. I mean, I don't know how many people thought Auburn was going to get bounced that early. I mean, we talked about are they as good to be a two seed? They deserve to. You know, we we talked about that. Um, I didn't think Miami was going to beat USC. I pretty much put everything on that. I thought uh, USC was a team last year. It did really well. Got bounced in mm-hmm. the round of 64 by May- Miami. Uh, you know, I, I think on Selection Sunday, normally when they send a camera to your school, they have a lot of faith in you. And obviously mm-hmm. there was a lot of faith in that Miami team because they had a full-on crew down there talking to uh, Miami. Um, they knock off Auburn. Uh, again, a, another major upset there. Uh, for, you know, another, another thing that I don't think a lot of people had. I think there's a lot of people that thought Auburn was going to win it. had them in a championship game as well. So, um, another one big there, but kind of the last one we're going to talk about here before we go to break that St. Peter's team, just still being alive, a win that I'm extremely happy for. I, I became, uh, I, I, not that I was not rooting. I mean, I don't root against Kentucky or whatever. Like I'm not that type of guy. Like I'm not a big sec guy anyway. Um, I, I obviously know in football, you know, it's the premier conference and I enjoy watching sec football. I think a lot of people do. And, you know, in the basketball, I kind of try to watch as much as I can because of moments like this, we're in the tournament and you got to see teams and stuff like that. So, um, but for them to knock off Murray state, I loved every second of it. I watched it. Um, just watch St. Peter's play. Fantastic. Shout out to Justice Hill from, uh, from Murray State, though. That guy had an absolute night. Um, I think Tevin Brown, uh, I mean, we watched him knock down threes on us all season long, so I know his shooting prowess. So, I mean, he, him still keeping them alive. I mean, Murray State was always a three-pointer. It felt away from being back in that game and just kind of missed a few late down the stretch. But um, I don't know if maybe the, the, just the gas ran out of Murray State and St. Peter's has been absolutely rejuvenated or what. But uh, regardless, uh, I, I am tempted to just buy a St. Peter's shirt for that fact that they knocked off Murray State and kept the Cinderella story alive.
1: Oh, absolutely, muck furry, uh, muck furry. Like uh, it's always a great day whenever Murray State loses, and for the Peacocks to come in there and just keep that run alive. Like, cause, I mean, Murray State—they're no slouch. Like they—they they got in the tournament as the seventh seed out of the OVC, and they were what thirty-one and two, or thirty and two in the regular season, something like that.
0: It was wild. Like,
1: like the great season from Murray State, and like you said, they got some ballers on that team, Justice Hill and Tevin Brown, two really good, probably future NBA players in some form of fashion. so great squad out of Murray. They had a very respectable season, but it's always a great day to see them lose. and it's cool that have the Cinderella kept that season alive against a team like Murray. So yeah, trying see where the peacocks go.
0: I never thought I would root for a team that has a mascot that's a peacock, but as soon as St. As soon as St. Peter's beat Kentucky, <laughs> and you could kind of just feel that the Dons weren't going to do the upset against Murray State, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to root for St. Peter's. Uh, like, I mean, you know, Austin P. Pe- we're not in the OVC anymore after this year, so whatever. Um, I'll, I'll take I'll take uh, rooting for the uh, St. Peter's Peacocks. Uh, any day of the week and and super excited to see that team advance on and to be able to say that they've pretty much knocked out the two best teams in Kentucky as well is pretty crazy uh, yep. for St. Peter's so
1: the peacocks are the state of Kentucky killers right now kill the dreams of everyone in Kentucky
0: every every last bit of them uh, peacocks they'll they'll have nightmares about peacocks for the rest of their lives. <laughs> This state of Kentucky. We're going to step aside for our first time in Talking Schmidt. When George and I come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Sweet 16, make our predictions there and then we'll jump in and take another break final thing finalize things with a little talk from free agency which has been a wild nfl free agency and i don't think it's slowing down i think that we're going to start seeing some major moves on the nfc side sooner or later uh so we'll see how things go down but first let's step aside on talking schmidt come back with a little sweet 16 talk And welcome back to Talking Schmidt, sponsored and powered by our good friend over at Big Timber Roofing, our guy Corey Turner. If you're looking for a free estimate on your house uh, for your roof um, or a building that has a roof on it, I guess we should say. I don't. I mean, that he might do more than just houses, but uh, give Corey a call, 931-472-5055. You can head over to Facebook, Big Timber Roofing, find them there, or you can... Email him at BigTimberRoofing at gmail.com or visit his website, BigTimberRoofing.com. Our guy, Corey, will get you taken care of over there. So, George, on to the Sweet 16. Some great games lined up. Uh, I don't – I mean, I'm kind of just here for the ride, I feel, with it. Uh, But, again, a lot of small – I guess – We're going to start off making our predictions and looking at the games in the West. The West is the only bracket where the one, two, three, and four are still alive. It's the only bracket. Everywhere else, uh, you know, obviously the East, there's no number one seed or number two seed. Uh, You have no three seed in the South, and you have no two or three seed in the Midwest. So that's where we're at right now in the bracket. To think that, you know, that's where everything is kind of coming down is just mind blowing to me. But let's start in the East. Uh, we'll have games on Thursday night, in the, or excuse me, we'll start in the West. We'll have games on Thursday night, later tonight, if you're listening to this on Thursday when it's dropped, or later on, as you know, it'll be Thursday, March 24th, uh, so you get your little context of where we're at here. We'll start in the West. The West and the South will play on Thursday, uh, and then we'll talk East Midwest, who will play on Friday, and we'll make our predictions here as we go along. So starting in the West. You have a traditional one versus four matchup in the Elite Eight. It's Gonzaga versus Arkansas. I know for a fact that you as an SEC fan, uh, the only team you have left to cheer for is Arkansas. So I know you've already told me you've put money down on Arkansas, so you want them to win. Are you going to stick with that Gonzaga loss to Arkansas just because of your money line here? Are you going to be greedy, George? Or are you know. are you going to take Gonzaga <laughs> here with your pick? <laughs>
1: No, see, since I picked Arkansas with my with my actual money, I gotta go with Gonzaga here. Because right. I'm gonna lose money. So I, I'm taking Gonzaga in this one. I will say this though, they looked very, very, very vulnerable in that round of 32 matchup. If it wasn't for Drew, Drew Timmy, Gonzaga wouldn't be sitting here right now in this position. They they would not they might not be in this tournament anymore. So if Arkansas can get something going with Notay and Williams. Anything can happen, but it's going to be tough to shut down Timmy and that Gonzaga offense. But Gonzaga is like a 10-point favorite or something. I definitely think it could be closing that because I don't think this is going to be a very high-scoring game because Arkansas has a pretty smothering defense. So I I think it's going to be fairly low scoring, and I think it's going to be kept under 10-point spread. So I think Gonzaga is going to win, but I think it's going to be tight.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Gonzaga as well on this one. I I just kind of think that they – I think that – Like you mentioned, that round of 32 game where it got close, I think that might have been the wake-up call that they needed there against Memphis. Now, granted, I thought Memphis played very well this season. I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of people might not like Benny Hardaway, whatever it is, but the way that they played in the first round with that huge victory uh, never even looked back in that game. That was against Mark. It was against Boise state because Boise state, it really didn't look like they were ever going to really struggle against Boise. I know there's a little bit of a late comeback, but Memphis held it off. Uh, then of course to play, you know, the number one overall seed as tough as they did. Uh, I think Gonzaga, they may have had that little like, Hey, got to remember it's March type moment for them. So uh, this is a team that played for the national championship last year and lost it. So I'm not going to count them out yet. Um, not that I don't think Arkansas, Arkansas can't do it. Uh, Coach Musselman, fantastic. Uh, Note, as you mentioned, Williams, these are great players uh, that have a lot behind them. So again, Arkansas, um, definitely looking at that game. I think it's going to be a, a great game to watch uh, there on Thursday night. Duke Texas Tech is a two versus three matchup. You know, this is uh, at this point. I mean, I, I feel like in the other brackets, it's kind of like whatever, throw it to the sky kind of deal. This one, you're really picking against some really tough teams. Texas Tech in the past has been very tough. Duke, obviously, it being Coach K's last year, we were all kind of wondering what Duke team would show up to the tournament. I think we saw we've seen a really good Duke team show up to the tournament. Um, Michigan State played them close, but again you know, Coach K not letting an old rival knock him out <laughs> and Coach Izzo. So Izzo sent home early in that round of 32. But for me, I'm going to stick with Duke. And the only reason why I'm sticking with Duke is I just think the Coach K magic's not over with yet. I think this Duke team is playing for him. And when you have a team, and I'm not saying that every team's not playing for their coach, but when you're playing for your coach, the way that I feel Duke is playing for him, even if you're not the best team, if you're playing because like you know that like this is the last time that Coach K is ever going to be in, you don't want to be that team in Duke history that lets him down, I think that's what this team's playing for more than anything. I'm taking Duke here. I think we're going to have a one versus two matchup in that uh, Elite Eight spot.
1: I'm going to agree with you here. I, I don't think the magic of Coach K is done yet. Like, Paulo Banchero, he's played great this tournament. They've had a couple of other players step up in big roles, and they survived the storm that was Michigan State in the round of 32. Michigan State played a really solid game in the round of 32, and Duke held strongly. They withstood the storm, as one could say. And Texas Tech, they looked they looked a little suspect against Notre Dame in the round of 32. They couldn't really get anything going offensively. The thing that bailed them out was Texas Tech has a really stout defense, which I do believe could give Duke some problems. But I think Duke's going to take this one. I think this is going to be another really close game because once you get to the Sweet 16, there's never really any blowouts. Everything's pretty close. And because everyone, they're, they're fighting for the same goal and everyone plays their best and plays their hardest at that point in the tournament. So I'm taking Duke, but I think, again, it's going to be a close one.
0: Moving on to the South, we have a one versus five matchup, so not your traditional one versus four. You have a one versus five here. Arizona taking on Houston. I have been very high on Houston, and we've talked about this. I, uh, the last show, I said, I think this is a team that will be playing in the Elite Eight. I think they can be- get there. I think they'll do it. Uh, I saw how they played against Memphis in the championship game, and I was just like, this Houston team is absolutely crazy. Now, with that being said, I watched Arizona uh, take on TCU, which was a game that I definitely had my eye on because we talked about it. I got to watch TCU um, earlier this year against Austin P, uh, that number two kid, I forget his name. I told you he's a true freshman and he looks like he's a 45 year old man at TCU guys, a baller. <laughs> they have great guard play, um, from TCU, Arizona withstood the storm. They're so big. It is crazy to just see the length and the size of Arizona. I think Arizona, I think Gonzaga and Arizona both had probably the toughest eight seeds uh, well, I guess I can't say that, actually, because Baylor had the toughest eight seed that they saw uh, technically in North Carolina. But I think out of your one seeds that are alive, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, there's a reason why Baylor's home right now. You talked about Gonzaga struggling against Memphis. We talked a little bit about how TCU, which was a nine seed, um, played very tough uh, against this uh, against this um, Arizona team. I think Arizona's going to win this. The only reason why is because, again, I think they got a little scared there by TCU, and I think they realized that they are a tougher team than what they are. If Arizona plays like they played against TCU late, it's going to be a rough outing throughout the rest of the way for everybody else that they're going to face off with. I'm going to go with Arizona. I hate to say that because I've been high on Houston this whole time. I have Houston as an Elite Eight team in my bracket um but you know brackets are pretty much dead at this point anyway mm-hmm. if Houston wins it actually helps me jump from 6 in our freaking brackets which is absolutely ridiculous i have like i think i have the most teams alive picked on my bracket um but again if Houston wins it just helps up my bracket but i think arizona will make it happen uh just watching them i was very impressed with their poise late against a tcu team that gave them gave them absolute
1: hell if you will mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean Arizona. They clutched up in the biggest moments of that game. The March in March, the tournament was won in crunch time, and Arizona definitely proved that they could perform well in crunch time against TCU because that that was a back and forth battle of a game. And TZ, all credit to the Horn Frogs, they played a fantastic game. But the the Arizona flexed their muscles in the final minutes of overtime, and it really showed. But um, I'm kind of going to take the same logic you did. Like it kind of goes to my bracket in our bracket challenge. I, I picked Arizona as my champion and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna ride, I'm gonna ride with them until through this matchup against Houston. I'm not confident though. Like Houston, their defense is stout, they can shoot the three ball well. And if Arizona they start if they stall out offensively, this this could be a tough one for them because Arizona's strategy for most of the year was, hey, we're gonna outscore you. Like we're not gonna stop you too much, but we're gonna outscore you. So, if Houston's defense can step up, Houston can definitely win this game. But I'm going to rock with Arizona. We'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> the two-seed Villanova taking on the 11-seed Michigan. Uh, again, I know it's still a bitter subject here to have to mention Michigan. You were hoping it was a two versus three between Nova yeah. and Tennessee. I have Nova winning this game. Uh, I had them beating Tennessee in this round anyway. Um I think Michigan's playing great ball as of late. Uh, you talk about you know, their big man that was doing it all for him. Um, I think this is one of those ones that's going to come down to coaching, uh, and I think Jay Wright's that guy. He's kind of proven proven winner. Um, I think it's going to be Villanova playing uh, into the Elite Eight.
1: I'm finally going to disagree with you. Michigan, they did not have an NCAA tournament resume to me but they have Final Four potential on that roster. That that team was built for success, and they underperformed throughout the course of the regular season, but they got that chance in the tournament. Now they're really stepping up and showing what this team could pin, could really do. And I'm going to ride the hot hand of Michigan here. on know Villanova, you could argue the hot hand as well because they won the first two games. But I think Michigan still has a little bit left in the tank, and plus if Tennessee got beat by them, I want them to – go on as far as possible to make it look a little better for Tennessee. So so I'm going to take the Michigan Wolverines, Hunter Dickinson, if he keeps performing well in the paint and shooting the three ball the way he's shooting it. Michigan's going to be tough to beat because it's hard to stop a big man who could shoot a three as well. So I wonder if we'll see if Juwan Howard either punches someone in the face or if the Wolverines punch Villanova in the face. So we'll see on that one.
0: I don't know if I don't think he's going to go after Jay Wright. Jay seems like a pretty cool, calm, collected dude. Yes. So I don't think that's going to happen. If if Jawan doesn't want to shake his hand, Jay will probably just turn the team around and say that's cool. <laughs> uh, moving on, we'll move back to the East now. Um, I'm very torn between this four versus eight matchup. You know, I don't like UCLA. We know that is a thing. I think they're playing great basketball right now. Um, I think with Baylor not being there, they probably thought, well, you know, if Baylor gets upset or stunned, you know, it's kind of a a breeze to get in there. Here is a weird logic that I'm following and going to make my pick off of what happens in the final four. If Duke wins the West. And North Carolina wins the East.
1: It's a rematch.
0: That's your final four matchup. Yeah. How crazy could that be? If that's the only reason why I'm picking this logic, it isn't. I mean, we saw North Carolina, they played an absolute thrilling game. I think that they, uh, you mentioned it best, George, when you said the comeback happened from Baylor and you thought they were done and it was almost like, okay, yeah, we were just kidding around. Here's overtime, let's win it. And that's what we saw from North Carolina. I think this is a North Carolina team that um, has figured it out they're playing well. They're putting the pieces where they need to be at. Their guys care. They have some talented, talented players out there. Not that UCLA doesn't. And, and and by all means, when you look at the resumes, you probably would say on paper, I'm taking UCLA. But for me, I just think I have this weird Coach K magic thing going on in my head for some reason Um I think I think UNC is going to win it. I think we may have a UNC-Duke Final Four. Now, if UNC loses and Duke loses this weekend, I guess it doesn't matter anyway, but uh, for some <laughs> weird feeling in, inside me right now, I'm just feeling a, a North Carolina winning and making it to the Final Four if Duke is still alive on the other side.
1: That's a fair pick, but I'm going to disagree with that one as well. I'm going to take UCLA in this one. I have UCLA in my Final Four, and it's, I, just, I just see the way they play basketball. They, they spread, they share the wealth in a way. The, in their matchup against St. Mary's, four out of five starters were in double figures, and the fifth starter had nine points. So they all just kind of spread the wealth there. They, it was between like 16, 14, 14, 15, 9. Like that was the point distribution amongst their starters. And Tiger Campbell, he's an elite point guard, great facilitator, floor general, et cetera. Uh, Johnny Zhang or Jang or however you say his name, who came back for a senior season after many thought he would leave after his junior year last year, he came back and he's been absolutely dominant in this tournament. I believe he's averaging 17 and a half for the tournament played really, really good ball. And just, it's hard for me to go against this UCLA team with how well they're clicking right now. And it's a team that is full of chemistry. And as long as they can keep that rolling, I think they have a pretty easy road, or not an easy road, but they definitely have that road to the Final Four back in this team again, just the same as they did last year.
0: Final game out of the East, the three-seed Purdue Boilermakers taking on the 15-seed St. Peter's Peacocks. In this moment, we're going to hear more than likely uh, one thing said, and I hope it's Jim Nance. I hope Jim Nance gets this game. That's what I ask for more than anything else is that I know there's some big, I know there's some big ticket games out here on Friday. Um, I mean, UCLA UNC is a big one. Kansas Providence is a big one. You know, I hope Jim Nance gets this game because we're either going to hear two things. We're either going to hear Jim Nance say the phrase, the clock struck midnight or we're going to hear him say Cinderella moves on. That's what we're going to hear from Jim Nance. Nobody does it better than Jim Nance. There's not a single person. Um, I and Eagle close second, but nobody does it better than Jim Nance when he tells you that you know the clock's has the clock struck midnight on uh, on St. Peter's or you know Cinderella keeps dancing. Whatever it is in this game, I I'm, I really don't know. I, I saw Purdue struggle. In that in that Big Ten championship to really get things going, but I also said to to me Purdue was a team that I really thought would have given Kentucky troubles if they saw each other. But I was worried, you know, in the beginning I was like, well, they're even going to beat Yale, you know? I mean, those were those were question marks that we had early on about this Purdue mm-hmm. team. So I, I mean, how is it is it one of those things where you look at and you say, Kimber, you know? Purdue could barely beat Yale in my mind because of how everything went down and how they finished their season. Now we're talking about them in the Sweet 16 taking on a Cinderella. I am very torn on this because I want to see St. Peter's win. I think more than anything, I don't want to just pick this off of – if I pick it off of what looks good on paper, it's probably going to be Purdue. But St. Peter's just has a weird fight about them. If the Peacocks win, I'll buy a shirt. I already want to buy one because they beat Murray State – if the Peacocks go to the Elite Eight, I will jump on their school website and buy a shirt from their bookstore, whatever, run baby go. run bookstore, whatever it is. I will buy a shirt <laughs> of St. Peter's wins. Um, I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go with Shaheen Holloway, and then I hope Shaheen goes back and coaches his boys at Seton Hall next year.
1: There you go. I like it. I'm gonna, I'm going to use my same logic. That, I, that I've been kind of rolling with. I've bet against St. Peter's in both the first two rounds. Not not literally bet, but just in my head or in my bracket, I've gone against St. Peter's. I'm going to continue to go against them just so the Cinderella run hopefully continues. I don't feel confident in this pick, but I'm going to go with Purdue. Purdue is like a 13- or 14-point favorite or something, and I don't know why it's that high because like St. Peter's has showed they, that they cover spreads, And so, at this point, you're poking the bear, poking the peacock, or pissing off the peacock, or whatever you want to call it. And so, I think it's going to be a really tight game, but I'm going to go with Purdue, just in hopes of this run continuing. So, picking Purdue, but go St. Peter's.
0: I got you. I feel it. Final, Final little bracket here in the Midwest, Kansas versus Providence to start things off. I have Kansas winning the whole thing. Um, I, I, think bill self and company, Oh, Chia Oh my goodness. What a team that they have. And they're fire finally firing on all cylinders. Now in the past, this is kind of where we know Kansas will find a little hiccup. Providence could be that hiccup by all means. The Friars, mm-hmm. they have been a tough team all year. Um, they've been a tough team in their conference. Uh, I think a lot of people might've, you know, could have been like, oh, this is a four C that could get upset. I've been on the bandwagon with them. I was like, "This is a great Providence team." I'm not going to pick against Kansas in this moment. I'm not going to. I'm not going to pick against Ochai Abaji. That whole Kansas team—they are gelling weirdly. Like it, it's just so good how even their guys off the bench, their sixth and seventh guys, are coming in and working so well with guys who are the starters. And when Ochai is getting taken away, you got uh, what Remy Martin stepping in. Guys like that are just playing lights out for this Kansas team. I'm taking Kansas here. Um, if they lose my bracket's gone anyway, and I'll never talk about it again
1: <laughs> I, I really like what you said there about like their sixth and seventh members on their on their bench coming in and really gelling whenever they get the opportunity. That's the thing that describes Kansas they have a lot of depth they're probably they're probably the most deep team in this tournament, and so they have guys coming in their sixth man seventh man eighth man, et cetera that don't miss a beat whenever they get on the court so just for that reason, with the depth taken into that factor in consideration, I'm taking Kansas in this one. I think it's going to. I think the Friars can put up a fight, but I just think this Kansas team with Bill Self at the helm is just too strong at this moment. They're playing their best basketball of the year, and they're playing it at the perfect time.
0: Somebody asked if Perry Ellis still has some uh, availability for this Kansas team, right? <laughs> he played there for 35 years. Now the, I guess the part of our brackets here where it's the two, uh, I guess. The two lowest seeds that are left, Iowa State as an 11 seed, 10 seed Miami. I think if Kansas is going to get to where they want to be at, the last hiccup they have to take on as a Cyclones team, Um, that's very good out of the Big 12. Um, You got a Cyclone taking on a Hurricane. In my mascot bracket, I had the Hurricanes winning it all because what beats a Hurricane?
1: The Tulsa Golden Hur- or the the Golden Hurricane. Yeah, but Tulsa wasn't in it this They're year. Not in it. See, Crazy, yeah, right? They mind blown. Yeah.
0: We had to pick. We had to pick a hurricane this year because nothing beats a hurricane. Um, we thought maybe Cal State Fullerton Titans, but then like if you remember the Hercules movie, he uses the 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 cyclone like Titan to scoop all of them up and throw them. So I mean, mm-hmm. if that's what we're going to base this off of in a mascot bracket, which all logic is out the window anyway. Um, Miami wins it all, but I'm taking Iowa state here. I I just think that at some point Miami has to lose. They already beat USC. They already beat Auburn. I mean, the, the resume is there for them, but I think where Iowa state is, how they're playing in the road that they've been on and kind of the caliber of teams that they've had to beat now, granted, I mean, not, not to, you know, downgrade USC. I think a lot of people thought Auburn, you know, their loss against Texas A&M kind of showed where their season was late. Um, despite winning the season, uh, again, I'm looking at it and I think at some point Miami's going to hit a team like an Iowa State who's playing some of the top teams in the Big 12 and, and doing well. So I'm going to take Iowa State here. Um, if Miami wins, cool. I mean, that's just a cool storyline for them because I think a lot of people might have thought that they were going to be done against a USC team. I thought that was a very tough draw for them and then winning a chance to play against Auburn, which was a, a tough draw as well.
1: I agree with you. I'm going to take Iowa State in this one as well. I just think their defense is too good. They've been playing really solid basketball over these first two two games of the tournament. And you kind of got to ride the hot hand here. And it's not necessarily on the offensive side of the ball, it's the hot hand, it's the defensive side of the ball. And I'm really excited to see this matchup just because, like you said, it's 11 versus 10. And whoever wins, it's a cool story to see they made it this far to the Elite Eight or going into the Elite Eight. So. It's, it's a tough pick, but I'm going to go Iowa State here as well.
0: All right. We're going to finally get a chance here to step aside. George and I will watch those games, of course. This time, I'm not going to be weirdly out of the state without, you know, internet issues, all that good jazz. So we should be able to get you an Elite Eight show up on Saturday. Uh, a little bit more of an abridged episode of Talking Schmidt on Saturday for the Elite Eight before they get started. Uh, we'll probably record that um, probably about – afternoon time and i'll have it up there before the elite eight starts um on on our podcasting sites. whether you're listening to this on spotify apple podcast wherever you're getting your podcast at um we'll want to make sure that you you jump on there and see if we got something posted for the elite eight i i sorry i'm sorry that i slacked i was also calling basketball games i had a noon game if i think if austin Pete would have won on friday uh, against st mary's college there's a good possibility i had that game on saturday or i would have been able to do this like, Saturday morning, we could have done the round of 32, but my Saturday morning consisted of uh, technically 11 o'clock Central Time, noon Eastern, I was on radio. So, I mean, we would have had to woke up at, like, 7 or 8 in the morning and try to get that done, mm. and that just, that just wasn't going to happen. Um mm. And there was no, there was no guarantee that the upload speed was going to work either in the hotel. So that's why that, that's why that didn't happen. Um, But we'll hopefully get you one for the elite eight. And then of course, final four championship game and all the other sports news that's coming up. Now, speaking of that, we're going to switch gears from basketball and we're going to talk a little NFL football free agency. We're going to take a break first though. George and I are going to come back. We're going to discuss a topic. Would you rather be playing in the AFC or NFC right now? that's going to be a first little topic that we're bringing in because right now the AFC is loading up. The NFC is not easier road seems to be in the NFC. We'll talk about that though. You're listening to talking Schmidt. Stay with us more coming up after the break. And welcome back to talking Schmidt powered by our good friends over at big timber roofing, our guy, Corey Turner. If you need a free estimate on your roof, I know we've had some weather damage. We've had some, areas that have been getting hit by some storms. We've had a lot of rain over the past few weeks. Um, That will probably continue through the next few months. We'll obviously start getting into severe weather season as well. So you want to be weather alert and you don't want your roof to be leaking. Give our guy Corey Turner a call, 931-472-5055. Hit him up at BigTimberRoofing at gmail.com. You can find him on Facebook at Big Timber Roofing. You can also find his website, BigTimberRoofing.com. Talk to our guy, Corey Turner. He'll get you a free estimate on your roof, let you know what it's going to take to get that bad boy ready for severe weather season, or after the fact, give him a call as well. He's still going to be our uh, sponsor for, you know, the foreseeable future. Um, You know, that's just how that works out. As George would say, you know, if you want to give us free money anyway, uh, keep going along here. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL here. Crazy free agency news. Ton happened today, we'll get to in a second. I have teams and obviously listing, you know, teams that have picked up major, major acquisitions along the way. A lot of those teams and most of those teams, I should say, are in the AFC. So it begs the question here to start off with, George, would you rather be playing in the AFC this year or the NFC?
1: If I want to road to the Super Bowl, I'm I want to play in the NFC. Like the the AFC is absolutely loaded right now with especially the young young quarterback talent position. Like the mahomes herbert uh the sean watsons back uh just the, the russell wilson's in the afc now like it, it goes on and on just the afc is stacked right now and they've just reloaded even stronger and i am not really sure what the nfc's doing like i mean i mean some of the teams are kind of stuck in turmoil like your green bay packers like they gave rogers a buku amount of money and now they can't afford to do anything so it's just it's just kind of
0: well, mm-hmm. well, I mean, they have re signed some key defensive guys. I mean, I know Darius Smith is gone, but
1: yeah, they
0: did now. they did resign <laughs> Rasul Douglas, uh, who was Down. a great pickup late. Uh, they signed resigned Devondre Campbell, who we talked about uh the last episode that we had of Talking Schmidt. Devondre Campbell was the first all-pro linebacker for middle linebacker at least for Green Bay, um, since Ray Nitschke. So they they've kept a good defensive unit together. They still have Kenny Clark. Um, they still have. Uh, they'll have a healthy Jayrig Alexander. They still have Adrian Amos. I mean, defense is they still lost there. The
1: best. Was, they lost the best receiver in the game,
0: and we'll talk about well, that here in a second because I, I think we have <laughs> two question marks about Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. out of this deal that we're going to learn um, this season very much, and and I think we'll we'll talk about that in a moment. But again, there's still a lot more cap space that was freed up. As as much as I hate that Devontae Adams is gone, I mean, you know, this—he's one of my favorite players in the NFL. He's still going to be one of my favorite players in the NFL, uh, even as a as a Raider, because I think it's great that mm-hmm. he's going to get a chance to play for one of his you know childhood teams that he watched growing up. Um, and yeah, a
1: college college reunion.
0: Yeah, and you get a college reunion with Carr. So I mean, I, I'm not too. Uh, I hate that he's leaving Green Bay, and and I'm sure he hates it as well. But my guy's getting paid as well. You know, I mean, yeah, he that, got a bag. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> he's the highest paid receiver in the NFL right now for a reason. So, um, eh.
1: that's now Tyreek Hill.
0: I didn't think Tyreek went over it.
1: Oh, it I did he go was, over he did, it. He did, he, did he did go
0: over it, didn't he? Yeah, uh-huh. um, but today he
1: went over it. That's crazy. So
0: yeah, so uh, Monte
1: uh, Adams was the highest paid for like a day. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So we'll, we'll move along here and we'll jump into it. And, the, and I'll kind of talk, we'll talk about the dolphins here in a second, but the big one, I think for the bills was picking up Von Miller, adding to a pretty dangerous defense that didn't really allow many touchdowns didn't really amount, allow much against them throughout the year. Uh, and you're just kind of adding a, a very good pass rusher, edge rusher and Von Miller um, probably the biggest pickup there. Uh, what that was the biggest pickup in the East up until today in the AFC Mm -hmm. East when Tyreek Hill was traded from the Chiefs. Now, we'll talk about winners and losers here. For Tyreek Hill, uh, the Dolphins sent a 2022 first-rounder, a second-rounder, and a fourth-rounder, and a 2023 fourth-and-sixth. They also paid him a ton, and the Chiefs just got five draft picks for him. I thought, I mean, if you look at that, too, I mean, you would think possibly a good possibility that you have to give up two first rounders, maybe for a guy like Tariq Kill. But then again, you know, Devontae Adams didn't even draw two first rounders. So Chiefs winning on this one, or, or do you feel like the Dolphins won on this one?
1: I, th- I think it's kind of like a mutual win for, for both sides, honestly, because the Dolphins, we all knew they were stacked. They had they were stacked up with picks. They have they still have plenty of draft picks going forward in the next like seven, eight years. Yeah. There's plenty of draft capital available in Miami. And also now they have the fastest they have the fastest offense in the NFL and it's not really even the debate anymore. They have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Like that at your skill positions, that that is a lot of speed. And I mean the Chiefs, they they did they lost a receiver in Tyree Kill. Great receiver in Tyree Kill, but they're building for their future. So I think it's a mutual win here. Mahomes is probably sitting there like, man, I just lost, I lost my speed guy. Then yeah, you got to think you got McCole Hardman and possibly Byron Pringle coming back. There's still speed on that roster, and Travis Kelsey's still there. Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire at the running back position, etc. There's still weapons on Kansas City in Kansas City. They're still going to be a competitive team. So I, I think it's a mutual win for both fronts.
0: For the Browns, a big a big moment you talked about was uh, Deshaun Watson. Before we get to Deshaun Watson. Um, the Browns first thing that they did was they, they got a big play receiver in Amari Cooper. Uh, I think that kind of went under the radar with all the Deshaun Watson news. Uh, but Amari Cooper, they got for a 2022 fifth rounder and for a swap of their sixth round picks for 2022. So Amari Cooper, who is a former first round pick top dog, great receiver, Dallas gave the house at one point to get a guy like that from, uh, from Oakland. Um, now getting Amari Cooper for a fifth rounder. I mean, the Browns, that's, I mean, at first, if you're Baker Mayfield, you're probably fired up for it at first, and then you realize what happened (laughs) later on. But starting Um, with that Amari Cooper trade, I mean, that's that's a great move there for this Browns program to get a guy like Amari Cooper, knowing that you don't know if you're going to have Jarvis Landry, uh, but you still keep Two great running backs and Nick Chubb, and uh, and you also have Kareem Hunt to work in that backfield. Now with Sean Watson, you had a guy like Amari Cooper who's maybe not healthy all the time, but he's still a big play threat as well.
1: Oh, absolutely, and, and I agree with you. I think the Amari Cooper deal is one of the most under the radar acquisitions of this of this free agent frenzy, or the, well, this acquisition frenzy, I guess I should say. Uh, he had back-to-back thousand-yard seasons in 2019 and 2020. Whenever we saw that he was pretty much at full full health, and then of course last year he was a little bit banged up throughout the course of the year. He only recorded—I mean, uh, this is still respectable numbers. He recorded over 800 yards, and he had eight, seven or eight touchdowns. Like really, really solid season in Dallas, and he also was was sharing the wealth in Dallas because I mean, you had you had Michael Gallup, you had C.D. Lamb, you had Dalton Schultz will emerge as a great tight end. And then of course you have Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in the backfield. Like there's only so much to go around, yeah. And so we put up put up very respectable numbers in Dallas. And then you're, he's going to Cleveland, and like you said, with Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, that tandem in the back in the backfield, and then the quarterback like Deshaun Watson coming at the helm. Cleveland's loaded on the offensive front of the ball, so it's interesting to see how it goes, barring any suspension with Watson. Because I mean, there's still potential that could happen, but they could have one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL as well.
0: So for Deshaun Watson, I'm seeing a 2022, 20, 23, 24 first rounder, a 23 third rounder, a 22 and 24 fourth rounder. Mm. <laughs> that that is what the Browns have given up to get Deshaun Watson. The Texans now have, I mean, that's what one, two, that's three, four, five, that's six picks. That they got for a guy like Deshaun Watson, and then Three the Browns, the and then Brown, uh, the Browns gave him a uh, gave him a bag as well when Deshaun Watson walked in. That's crazy, crazy to me. Yeah. But like you said, if he doesn't get suspended, this Browns team is looking good with a guy like mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson out there. Granted, it's gonna. How long does it take him to shake the rust off? I mean, you get a preseason game or two with him in there, so he's going to get a little bit of time. But again, how much time is it going to take him in actual game speed to be back? I don't think it's going to take long. This is a guy that's taken the Texans, and and really the AFC South rejoiced when he wasn't playing this year because yeah. you you kind of knew, <laughs> all right, well we have two, we have at least you know four easy wins on the schedule with Jacksonville and Houston. Um, with all the turmoil that was going on in Jacksonville. So looking at it, I mean, now if you're in the AFC North and you know, the Bengals are your defending AFC champions, they had a great season. The Steelers made the playoffs. The Ravens still look tough with Lamar Jackson, but now you just added in one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL and your, in your conference. And let's, let's also are in your division. And let's look at this. The Steelers went out and got their guy at quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky.
1: Yeah, the 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 NFC North, like it's it's going to be a competitive division. The the Bengals, there it's not going to be an easy repeat for them at this point. Like like we said, if Deshaun can play and he can knock the rust off, the Browns are as good as anyone in that division. And Lamar comes back healthy, the the Ravens are scary as well. And I mean, you never know, Trubisky time in Pittsburgh. Maybe it's maybe it's a point where Trubisky can rejuvenate his career and really prove everyone wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't I don't believe it, but I mean, you never know. So Pittsburgh's defense is still solid. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, the North, the North got interesting with this one.
0: Mitchell Trubisky, still the only quarterback that hasn't thrown a pick six. What is it in his career? Is that what it is? What's this nonsense that he has?
1: I I think, I think it's in his career. He hasn't thrown. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. He's never thrown a pick six.
0: (laughs) That's one way to pick it. Steelers pick up miles. Jack as well in there. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Texans uh, have to mention this one. Um, Got my guy Jalen reeves maybin the Northeast product. Yeah. Played at University of Tennessee. Pulled my guy Jalen from stars. Detroit. Um, so uh, I'll, have a, I'll have a little bit to root for there when the Texans come to town. And throughout the season, I, I like to see what Jalen does. So big fan of Jalen. The Colts now. Let's go talk a little bit about the Colts here as we're in the AFC South. Um, Matt Ryan for a third-round pick. This is a former first-round pick for Atlanta Falcons. And they traded him away for one third round pick.
1: Mind that, blowing, just, right? Yeah, like, that's wild. Like if, in, in an MVP yes. five years, five years ago. Like that's just that's just wild. Like just a third round pick.
0: Matt Ryan is going to do, and and I was kind of bringing this up, uh, and, I'll, and I'll let you answer a question in a second, but it looks obviously that the theme in Indianapolis is, okay, we went with this guy <laughs> for one year. Now let's go bring in the old savvy vet, see what he does. He doesn't do great, fine. We'll go get a young guy who maybe, you know, Maybe good, maybe bad. If he's healthy, he's good. If he's not, we'll see what happens. And now they're going back. Ah, oh, let's bring back a savvy vet and see what happens. The savvy vet, it, it, the savvy vet scheme obviously worked with Philip Rivers. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, the emergence of Jonathan Taylor obviously helped out a ton with that. But I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you get a guy like uh, Philip Rivers in there, and all he had to do was really hand off to, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor. And but again, you're getting Matt Ryan with still a lot of zip left in him where you were getting Philip Rivers in the end of his career. Matt Ryan, I I mean, he's only, what, 30? Was he 36 36 now? 35-ish, something like that. Mm -hmm. So we're getting Matt Ryan still with, I still think, about two to three years left to go. I don't think his arm's as bad as Rivers was. So, I mean... Who knows? I mean, if you get – and here's my last thing for the Colts, though. If you can get a good play, big play receiver, like a guy like Jarvis Landry, line him up with Michael Pittman, I think you still have T.Y. Hilton as well. You can move him and let him just be more of a slot guy, running mm-hmm. more of your shorter routes where he doesn't have to kill himself anymore for your team. That's not a bad offensive unit, plus the offensive line they have.
1: Right, and and that defense is scary. They have a really solid, solid defense led by Darius Leonard. And they did just trade Rocky Sim, but I mean they have second. They have a solid secondary anyway. So the, as a Titans fan, I got, I got a little more nervous with the Matt Ryan trade because Matt Ryan scares me a whole hell of a lot more than Carson Wentz did. So if Matt Ryan can find can kind of find that magic again, I mean the defense the the division is up for grabs. So Titans are going to have to be on their A game if they want to hold on to that one.
0: I do think it would scare me more if it was Matt Ryan after the twenty sixteen season though.
1: Oh, absolutely! More absolutely. so than
0: now, I, I think. I think that would be like you. I, I think he's going to do better than Carson Wentz, just because Carson Wentz, uh, until he gets himself there. There's just been since he's been his last major injury. It just hasn't, hasn't been, been the same. Carson Wentz that we thought was going to come into the league and take it by storm, or even that first yeah. few years in Philly,
1: because he he was an MVP candidate, yeah, before he broke his back, yeah. Where he was it like fractured vertebrae? Is that what he did? It was something like it was like week eleven. He did 11. a lot.
0: He did a lot.
1: Yeah, it, it was like week eleven of twenty eighteen or something like that. And he was like leading the in the MVP vote. Like he, yeah. he he was on pace to win an MVP. Yeah. And then then that happened, and he just has not been the same since. He's been plagued by injuries, and you hate to see that because he was kind of emerging as a, the next up and coming quarterback. But injuries happen; it's part of the game, and we hate to see it, but it's part of it.
0: Titans go out get a uh, get Robert Woods for a twenty twenty three six round pick. I think that's an absolute steal for the Titans. Absolutely. I know they've they've done some re signing as well. Uh, Harold Landry's been re signed. So we're, I'm not really talking about re signings in this. I want to talk more about new faces that we're going to see in new uniforms. Mm-hmm. Robert Woods, I mean, no, he's still going to recover from an ACL injury as well. So he's not – he may not be perfect by week one for the Titans, but you add him in there with A.J. Brown and just uh, another addition to this Titans offense and Austin Hooper, uh, the Titans going out there and getting Ryan Tannehill some weapons.
1: Absolutely. and That's what they needed to do. They needed to beef up, especially that tight end position where – it it lacked so much last season because Anthony Fur- after uh, losing Johnny Smith in free agency last year, Anthony Ferkser was the guy in Tennessee, and everyone and I myself included, I was expecting somewhat of a breakout year from Ferkser in that tight end one role, and he just didn't hit that role with stride. It was a very rough season for Ferguson, very rough position, very rough season as a whole at the tight end position for the Titans, and to get a signing like Austin Hooper. Who was extremely productive in his years in Atlanta? Very, very solid tight end. He goes to Cleveland and it, it's kind of like the what happened moment. Like, why were they not using him the way that he could be used? Because he's a very athletic tight end. He's a great run blocker too, which is great, which is especially good in Nashville whenever you have the king in the backfield. And then you look at Robert Woods and he's the perfect compliment to a player like A.J. Brown. He's kind of, he's going to be that number two guy, but. But when the, I say number two loosely, because I mean, you saw his years in in LA before he got hurt, they had Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods was putting up comparable numbers. And I don't know if you saw it, but the the goodbye message that Cooper Cup posted about Robert Woods, it was like Robert Woods was retiring from the NFL. It was it was Cooper Cup was visible, like a very emotional in it, just talking about how Woods was the guy that showed him how to walk the walk in the NFL. Then he was a true professional, and he was one of the best to do it in L.A., and, he, how he, and how Robert Woods changed that franchise. So the Titans not only get a great wide receiver in this deal, but they also get a great leader coming into that locker room. So I think it's a huge win for the Titans in that aspect, especially only giving up a six-round pick.
0: Robert Woods a former USC Trojan as well played you know obviously played college ball there in LA so I believe he's from LA originally as well I think he's he was born and raised there as well so I mean he's an LA guy through and through now coming over to Tennessee so Welcome, Robert Woods. Broncos, obviously, we talked about Russell Wilson. You and I got a chance mm-hmm. to talk about that uh, last show. They also pick up Randy Gregory, which was kind of a weird deal. Um, with the weird. Whole thought he was going to be staying with yeah. Dallas, and then all of a sudden he's he a Bronco now. <laughs> That's weird. Um, the Chiefs, a big pickup. Juju Smith-Schuster, a healthy Juju Smith-Schuster, is dangerous out there. I just hope they keep him away from Jackson Mahomes. Um mm-hmm. But the AFC West was the one that got ridiculous. Uh, we talked about the Broncos, what they went out and did. The Chiefs, obviously, adding Juju. Losing Tyreek, still a big deal. Um, but picking up Juju Smith-Schuster, like I said, healthy is great. But again, the Raiders, they go out, they get Chandler Jones, a huge improvement on that defensive side. Uh, already a tough defensive unit. You know Max Crosby resigned as well. Um, but the mm-hmm. trade the trade that was heard around, around the NFL, uh, I think it's been uh, – I would say up until Tyreek today, the biggest trade story was Devontae Adams going to the Raiders from Green Bay. Um, I believe only drawing two picks there uh, from uh, that Green Bay will get from the Raiders. Uh, I believe it's a 2022 first rounder and a second rounder um, for Devontae Adams. But again, Devontae Adams getting paid very much so for a five-year contract, reuniting with, uh, with uh, Carr. Um, being able to play in an area very close to, uh, obviously in Las Vegas. Now he played his college ball at Fresno State. So, um, like I said, hurt, hurt for a moment, obviously, because I, you know, you you love Devonte Adams and what he's meant to the Green Bay organization, and you know, just what he's meant to to Aaron Rodgers' career as well. I think you know Aaron Rodgers in some ways you could kind of say created a guy like Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams was a second round pick. He wasn't a first rounder. Jordy Nelson was the same way. Jordy Nelson was one of those guys as well. They all kind of emerged on the scene with a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. So what I've seen and what I'm looking at, I know you know we're 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 seeing a change for Green Bay that's going to be can Rodgers win this now with guys to throw to that are Alan Lazard. Um I think MVS is still on the fence of being re signed. Uh a guy like Robert Tunyon now at, at tight end back. You re-signed him for a year. Um your main play receiver, though, is, is a guy like Alan Lazard. You have draft capital now. Do you go out? Do we see him get a guy like Jamison Williams, one of those guys like that from Alabama? Possibly. Um, you know, do you see him get like a Chris O'Lave from Ohio State? Possibly. Um, but again, those are rookie guys that aren't going to be running down the sideline and knowing when they need to stop on a dime to jump backwards and catch your pass. You know, there, these aren't guys who are going to know the timing that we saw from Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams, a guy on third down that we know Rogers always looked for across the middle. Um, so we're going to learn two things. And, and I've said this to you and I, I've said it to a lot of people when, when the news broke, we're going to learn two things is Aaron Rodgers able to be Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams, an elite receiver without Aaron Rodgers. That's what we're going to learn this year, because as much as he played football with Derek Carr in college at Fresno state, there is a complete and utter difference between Fresno state, Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers Cal to start with, but Aaron Rodgers, green Bay Packers, four-time MVP, back-to-back reigning MVP, and Derek Carr, who at one point John Gruden was ready to cut.
1: That's Absolutely. where we're at
0: with this, with this question. Who's who without the other one?
1: The, that's the question that's going to sweep through the NFL this season, honestly. like, is, is Devontae Adams really the best receiver in the NFL, or did he just have the best quarterback in the NFL making him look like it? So we're going to see – the, the AFC West has gone absolutely nuts in this in this acquisition period and the NFC North is completely up for grabs. The Bears suck, the Lions suck, but the Vikings are sitting there like we got a shot. We got a shot. And and the and now the Packers, I mean, we'll, we'll see. They they lost some weapons, but like you said, they signed some they signed and re-signed some key defensive pieces. And that's gonna be that's gonna play wonders for the Packers just having a solid defensive back. So it's gonna And, be and, not, and not to
0: mention, we got to, we forgot. I mean, we, we're not, we talk about Aaron Rodgers having needing people to throw to his other favorite targets, a guy by the name of Aaron Jones. Yeah. Who can run a wheel route better than any other running. I mean, not many people run a wheel route and catch it in stride like Aaron Jones. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. And you also still have AJ Dillon in the backfield, which I think's the, probably. I mean, I guess we could say probably the second or third best power back in the NFL behind Derrick Henry, maybe Jonathan Taylor, who's got that ability as well. Um, the king but, of quads. I mean, I mean, the guy's just a monster. You still have a very solid offensive line. Um, you'll get, you know, you'll have Bakhtiari back healthy. Um, mm-hmm. you'll have, um, you'll have, uh, uh, why did I forget his name here? Um, our guard who's very good. I, I he tore his ACL this year was all pro last year. I'll think of it. Um, Elton, El, not Elton Jenkins, Elton Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's
1: right. yeah. Yeah.
0: You'll get Elton Jenkins back. Um, the, uh, as well from an ACL injury, you'll get your, you'll get your line back the way you wanted and As long as they stay healthy and keep Rogers off of his back. Uh, you know, it, it's still the, it's still their division to win. Um, <laughs> and hopefully win a win a dang playoff game, anyway, uh, the last big signing that was in the Chargers was another trade. It was uh, was the Chargers. Cleo Mack was the added one there. Twenty twenty two second and sixth rounder. So a great steal there. I feel for the Chargers as well. Um, they're making some moves out there, and like you said, the West is just crazy. Now, looking at the NFC, here's the major pickups that I've been able to see, and and just rate these when when you kind of hear them in your head and just kind of think. I only have four NFC teams written down that have really gone out in free agency and made some moves. The Washington Commanders Uh traded to get Carson Wentz. Gave up a 2022 third rounder and a 2023 third rounder, which could possibly become a second rounder. Um, I'm mad about that. The Commanders have got (laughs) Carson Wentz.
1: The Lions to stay in the South.
0: (laughs) He could have gone to the Texans at this point. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. The Lions picked up DJ Chark. The Vikings picked up Zadarius Smith.
1: Love that addition, but their linebacking room linebacker room is so full. (laughs) They're running out of positions.
0: And they gotta they gotta hope you know Z can obviously stay healthy as well. Uh, yeah. And the Falcons got Marcus Mariota. Mm. That is your that's your pickups in the NFC right now that are sticking out. Um, we took, I mean, we took almost I would say a good solid eight minutes to talk about the AFC. I just mentioned the NFC in probably a minute, if that.
1: Yeah, the I the mean, NFC, like it's it's been a snooze fest for the most part in the NFC. There there hasn't been really much of anything. To spark your interest, like if if your if your biggest acquisitions include the names Marcus Mariota and Carson Wentz, it's pretty it's pretty boring. So now again, we're talking (laughs)
0: acquisitions. We didn't like I said I mentioned this before. Guys who resign, Green Bay they bring back Aaron Rodgers. We're looking for new faces. Tampa Bay they they keep. They keep uh, Tom Brady. They keep Chris Godwin. They're going to eventually keep Rob Gronkowski. We know that if Gronk wants to play, he's not going to leave Tampa as long as Tom's in the league. There's, there's guys who are resigning uh, on these teams, obviously, in those situations that are that we're not talking about currently. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Tom coming out of retirement's the biggest thing, uh, probably the biggest NFL storyline of the free agency still to, the, to this mm-hmm. moment. Absolutely. I would say the second biggest storyline being Aaron Rodgers, Resigning in Green Bay because we just didn't think that was going to happen. Third being Tyreek Hill's yeah. trade. Fourth being DA going to Oakland or, excuse me, Las mm-hmm. Vegas. So,
1: oh, nope. Remember the jar. That's yeah. A
0: penny. That's a penny. Um, we have two pennies in our jar one that's from you, pennies. one for me. Um, George. We'll see how the season unfolds. I mean, like I said, I don't think while the, the wildness of free agency is done yet, I think we're still going to see no. some craziness happening. We have so still have time before the draft. We still have time mm-hmm. before OTAs. Um, we just so have so much time before the NFL gets going. Um, but I will say, if you're hankering for some football, the USFL starts next month, baby.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm
0: fired up. I am ready for some USFL. Got a local guy in there from Clarksville, Bruno Reagan, playing for the Bandits, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Bandits. Nice. So we'll keep an eye on Bruno and company. Had a guy that we covered in college at Pitt State. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly where he got drafted at. Um, but So I'll have we'll have a few guys that we can keep watching um, in the USFL. I'm fired up to kind of watch what they do and <laughs> see if they can make things uh, a little bit different than what we're used to in the NFL.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a wild next few weeks. I think, I don't think the free, the free agent slash acquisition frenzy is over yet. Yeah. I I think it's going to be a wild few weeks moves. All
0: right, George. Well, we're going to call it quits on this episode. How sweet it is. We're in the sweet 16 in March madness. We have March craziness going on and in the NFL, uh, we've (laughs) seen so many great storylines happening there in free agency and acquisitions. So a big, uh, a big few weeks coming back up here. We're going to have, like I said, we're going to do our best to get an Elite Eight show going on Saturday morning, get that posted by Saturday afternoon. And then of course, keep you going through March Madness and just keep our eyes on other big storylines that are developing um, within the NFL. We'll try to get our guy, Josh Stevenson back on here um, throughout, uh, I guess, in in another show, hopefully going to have another co-host uh, for this upcoming Saturday show, so we'll have hopefully have another voice on here joining us, um, a, a very up and coming, uh, rising voice in the world of sports broadcasting, if you will, here in the area. Um, big fan of his, so excited to see uh, some of these upcoming shows. And uh, George, I appreciate you joining me here again this week, man.
1: Oh, it was fun as always. It's, it's always good to talk some sports, and especially in in the month of March, where really. you never know really what's going to happen.
0: Absolutely. So we got it.
1: We got. We got some great tournament action coming up. The free agent frenzy in the NFL is continuing, and baseball is back, so I'm, I'm ready for baseball to start.
0: We'll talk so, a little baseball as well. George is trying to convince me to start another uh, fantasy fantasy baseball league, and I've been on I've been on the other side of the fence the entire time, yelling no. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens here. Uh, it might be a holdout until the last minute, uh, like baseball did to us this year. So, with that being said. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. We hope you join us again next week.